I just, I hear Randy. When I see him, I hear him. And I feel him. Think of all the hits that Randy Bachman has written. I would watch him play, and I'm like, I want to I wanna do that. He would literally take apart notes and put other notes in that would never belong in rock and roll. He was an unusual guy at an unusual time in an unusual place. When you find something that early in life that becomes a very early passion, you lose your inhibition. His strength is his weakness, and whoever was in his way better move because he was going. I remember Randy coming in and he's saying, it's happening. And you start, you start thinking it's going to go on forever. And it isn't going to go on forever. A professional musician who's been professional for a long time, it's rare. Often it's said the, the worst in your life brings out the best in your guitar playing. But I think you can also be very, very happy and very content and still play interesting, great, amazing things. The world changes. Your music kind of changes. But for some of us, it just keeps on getting better. But there's this little light glimmering, and somehow that balances the 20 hours of crap you go through. You're in your dreamland. My name is John Bernard. I'm a filmmaker from Winnipeg. I made this documentary film about Randy Bachman. It's called Bachman. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. How are you enjoying Toronto so far? Lovely as always. Yeah, as, okay. So you've been here many times. Well, oh. when you were from Winnipeg, <laughs> you have to come here a, 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 a few times a year. Okay. I, I do a few times a year. Okay. Yeah. So awesome. I'm here. I'm here uh, from time to time. And how are you enjoying the festival? So you're here because yeah, your movie Bachman is premiering here it's at in, Hot Docs in, in Hot Toronto. Docs, that's right. Tomorrow, which is May the second. It screens on May second yeah. at nine thirty. May third at three fifteen, which is Thursday, yeah. and May the fourth, Friday at six thirty. Awesome. I'm gonna be at all three. All three of them. Mm. Good stuff. And it, it, Randy's coming into town. I've been told. Uh, yeah, it looks like Randy's going to be at the premiere the first night nice. the, on, on, on Wednesday. So let, I, I obviously want to get to this, this documentary that you put together, but I'm curious how you got started in movie making. What, what was that sort of process or that journey like for you? Well, how far back do you want to go here? Let, let's start, you know, mom and dad buying you the Fisher-Price stuff. <laughs> right. So, I'm. You know, no, that's kind of true because I'm yeah. sort of in the, that, that video camera generation, mm -hmm. right? Those, those guys and gals who came out of the 90s, um, typically, I guess no one's done statistics on this, but I think most of our parents or, or friends' parents had a video camera that we picked up at some point and started making films with and... Um, uh, but everybody does that. Uh, yeah. The, 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 what what separates, I think, the, the the hardcore people or the most uh, cinematic affluent of the handycam generation mm -hmm. <laughs> um, were the ones who started editing their stuff and, and telling stories through editing. It's sort of like the evolution of cinema as a whole. Mm -hmm. When they started editing pictures together is really when storytelling happened um, and and that I think for my generation of people who just picked up handy cams at home was the difference 
some of us started editing those pictures. Interesting. So for me, that was in the 90s, the early 90s. Was it always documentaries? No, not at all. Okay. No, no, it was, it was, it, it was always fictional stuff. Ah. And bizarre, strange things. Um, and nothing that made any sense, and none of it was any good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah but, but, but people responded when we did it. Yeah. And the response that we received, you know, maybe it shouldn't have encouraged us to go on, but <laughs> it did. And, we, and slowly we learned by doing yeah. Which is totally different from every generation, or not, not, I mean, not completely different, but on the whole, the generation that came before mine was taught how to do this stuff. There was somebody telling them, mm-hmm. like there was a film school, that's what you hear with it, that, that Scorsese and Spielberg came from the film school generation, yeah. right? That's what the 70s. Um, but my generation and everyone since has learned by doing. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there was no, here's how you do this. That's interesting. I, I'm, I'm really curious. I want to get to the movie. Oh. Um, I, wa- I want to preface it this way. So when uh, so Neil Young has put, put out a, a, a number of uh, biographical concert movies. Right, right. Um, and the last one that he did premiered at TIFF here in Toronto a few years ago. And I went to see that. Um, and then they did a Q&A uh, with him and uh, the director. Who, uh, oh, my goodness. What's his name? He has since passed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, but um, they were there. And one of the questions asked to him was. Jonathan Demi. Yes. Jo- yeah. Jonathan Demi. That's right. Thanks. Um, there used to be this museum around Peterborough, which is. Uh, oh maybe a couple of hours northeast of Toronto. Yeah. And it was like a Neil Young shrine. <laughs> so this guy had built this Neil Young shrine, I'm guessing in his home. Um, and he had everything in there. And the question was posed about what do you think of this museum slash shrine? And Neil Young was very, he felt weird about it. He goes, I'm still alive. Why is there this museum yeah, right. about me? So I relate that to the movie. How did the movie come about? How did the idea of this movie come about? Did you go and talk to Randy? Did, was was Randy looking yeah. for something like this? No, not, not he wasn't at all. Um, and, and and it relates mm. to a, a, a museum shrine, as as a matter of fact. Okay. Because um, I did a concert film for Randy in 2013. Mm. He did a show in Winnipeg, and what Randy does is he tells uh, his stories between songs. Mm-hmm. He tells the stories of his bands of how songs came to be, of yeah. songwriting. Um, they're, they're extreme stories. They're and, amazing, and, and, yeah. I've yeah. been to one of his shows like that, so yeah. amazing. Right. Yeah. I made this concert film about that. Okay. So I'm, I'm familiar with all of the stories and, and all of that, um, but that sort of got me on the, the bus, I guess you could say, um, mm. where they all knew who I was and I knew who they were, and we had a dialogue, you could say. Sure. And, uh, and and someone suggested that you know there should be a film about Randy. There, there's been a lot of TV specials, lots of books, some some remarkable mm-hmm. um, books with intricate detail about Randy. And in particular, um, a, a guy named John Anderson, who's a Winnipeg uh, music historian, wrote a 700-page book about Randy. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, essential essential reading if you're into classic rock and that mm-hmm. that 
music. It really is, and I think most hardcore fans have all, all are all familiar with it. It's 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 the Bible of of Randy yeah. uh, in in the publishing word world. Um, but I made this concert film in 2013, and so I was sort of on board. And and then we pitched the documentary, the the, the big Randy documentary to the Doc Channel. Hmm. Um, and it took them a little while. They sort of processed the idea and they decided to do it. And they just, the way they decided to do it is um, in television, there's this thing called um, development where they give you a, a little bit of resources to yeah. explore the idea okay. and to show them what the story will be and to, to, to pitch it to them. Okay, yeah, yeah. So what I did, I used my development time to mm -hmm. go to the National Archives of Canada and to explore what's known as the Randy Backman Collection. It is a whole it's actually called a Randy Backman Collection. Yeah, there's a, there's a section in the archives about, oh about Randy. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I got a little hotel room and I went every day for mm -hmm. a whole week to the National Archives. I don't think anybody had ever done that before, had gone there to spend time looking through these boxes of photos of documents and stuff and I, I just wanted to see what was available if there was a movie and uh, wow was there was there ever there was huh. lots of stuff while I was there Randy found out that I was there doing it he knew me he knew me he knew I was the guy that did and he had signed off okay let's do this thing no he hadn't he hadn't yet okay at this point, he still wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. And when when he found out that I had, that I did this, mm -hmm. that I took the time to go through, I, I think maybe he was a little bit surprised because people hadn't done this before. No one had. Okay. Really, for a movie. Hmm. And um, that was a little bit of the tipping point, I think, where he agreed that there could be a film made about him. Um. And then there's just a thing of you know having your your life examined. Yeah. Who who wants to have their life examined? Um, initially, I intended it would be I intended it to be a story about him today. Oh, what's he what's he doing? What's okay. he up to? Kind of a thing. But there was no way around how great the history was, the the, the archival materials, but also the stuff he accomplished in those early years, mm -hmm. what he did in Canadian music and in the world in music. It's, it's phenomenal. When I went to uh, this concert at, uh, at Toronto's Massey Hall a couple of years ago, mm. um, I'm like flabbergasted. I go, yes, I know these. I know all these songs. You know all the songs. I said, and like I knew all of them. And I couldn't believe how many hits this guy has made. Yeah. Um, would it so I'm I'm assuming he gave the he gave you you his blessing. Um, he agreed to do the movie. He agreed to uh, I guess have me document his life. Would you have done it without? Well, he's okay. You can't really. You have to have if it's about a person. Yeah. You have to sort of have them. So on the reason board. I asked that is there's this new tragically hit book. That came out by uh, Michael Barkley, The Never Ending Present. Yes, I heard about this, yeah. So he didn't have, he, so he was a guest in here a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, and he was writing this book with or without cooperation. Oh, wow. From the okay. hip. Um, and at the time, uh, Gordani was still around and, and without them. Because there was this, there seemed to be this understanding in the band that we don't want any sort of look back 
tell-all tales. Mm. These books written about us. They they wanted to con- I guess control their own narrative. Um, and they didn't feel that at that particular time was the right time to tell the story um, uh, yeah. about the hip. So that's why I was curious whether or not it was important to have sign-off from, from Randy Bachman. Well, it, it, it is. Um, certainly for, for your subject, um, not just for you know the reason that you know you need sign-off from your subject, but also you, know, you, you would want them to be on board at least, because mm, sure. you need access. Makes it easier. Well, you need access to their life mm-hmm. as well, because I wanted part of it, at least, to be about him today. And that proved to be a crucial yes. part of the, of the story that we told in the end. Mm-hmm. Because he is very much after a lot of the same things that he was after five decades ago. Yeah. Which is what? A song. Okay. He wants to. He wants. He wants a song. He he wants uh, many different kinds of songs. Mm. Um, and he is pursuing them now with the same dedication as before. But now there's a a new perspective in his life that's come with time and experience. And I think it's that new perspective that gives this film kind of the edge that it arrives with. It come. It's the story of a guy who's spent all these years doing this thing, mm-hmm. and. I, I feel it's relatable because we've all spent our whole lives trying to do this thing. I know I have. Um, and and then with time, your perspective changes a little bit. And you have kids and maybe you have grandkids and everything changes for you. And the way you approach the thing that meant so much to you before isn't necessarily the same as it was when you were in your 20s or your 30s. Mm. And, and I believe that that is what has happened to him now. And that's okay. what he's experiencing now. I, huh. I, um, life brings these things upon you. And um, with, with him, I knew I needed to tell the story of those years, and specifically the mid-60s until the late 70s. Um, but... Um, but I also wanted to talk about him, him now and what, what he's doing now. Yeah. Oh, I'm curious, was there another, was there ever another working title besides Backman? <laughs> I, I feel like you might have hunted online and found something. Somewhere. Oh, no, I didn't. Really? No, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was another title. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I should say this publicly, but well, why not say <laughs> it here? Um, I, I initially intended to call it Backman's Rules. Backman's rules. Because okay. he had rules. In 1971, after he left the Guess Who, he started a band called Brave Belt. Yes. Brave Belt uh, was a band started out of Winnipeg, just like the Guess Who was started out of Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, Brave Belt had uh, a singer called Chad Allen, who, who, who was in the Guess Who, and then it had Fred Turner, mm-hmm. who was that, that voice. That you, you know, um, and and that band would b- become Bachman Turner Overdrive eventually yeah. later, but when it was Brave Belt, it was Randy's creation, and it was um, it went beyond being a small enterprise thing that was just his. Okay, it 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 it, it was his vision of what uh, uh, the business and the art of music 
would be. Huh. He made very specific choices about how people would behave. Um, in particular, um, they would work hard. They would be very regimented. Um, uh, there was no smoking or drinking. Um, and uh, that was completely at odds with the ethos of rock, rock and, and roll, roll lifestyle. And Sex, drugs, right? Yeah, especially in 1971. Yeah. Um, nowadays, um, uh, you know, I live clean, I live sober is, is, is practically a motto for many people. No, it's um, true. I, I, I live, you know... Back then it was weird. Like, yeah, clarity is, is something that people have come to recognize. Yeah. But, 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 but back then it, it didn't exist anywhere. Um, and I, I think a lot of people maybe thought he wouldn't survive that way, that he wouldn't make it. There would be no success. Huh. So he did things totally different, um, and um, he he was from a, you know, this strange place that that I'm from. He did things a different way, and uh, all that stuff was was interesting to me. What is it about Winnipeg? Um, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about you know, there's all these people, um, and these are just so obviously the guess who out of there, mm -hmm. uh, BTO. Um, and so obviously, you know, founded by Randy Bachman, Backman, um, Biff Naked, Burton Cummings, Neil Young, uh, Fred Penner. Um, I mean, this is a small town, I guess, you know, yeah. sitting here in Toronto looking out. Yeah, small, isolated um, city. There's all kinds of theories. People have been asking that, that your question yeah, for a long time. But Randy, I mean, all the hits, and these are just the hits, taking care of business, these eyes, American woman, let it ride. You ain't seen nothing yet. No sugar tonight. No time. Hey, you laughing, uh, undone. Looking out for number one. I mean, these are hits. These are massive hits. The I songs love songs of your life. I love yeah. hearing the, this, this music, and to think that this came out of one guy in two huge bands, um, and and then you know I don't know how how long Neil Young was in. In Winnipeg, but it's, it sounds like they, a few years. they started there. They started their musical careers there. A, a few of his together. formative, a, f a few of his formative years, yeah. I think, were spent there. Is it um, something about the water? I couldn't tell you. Huh. I, I, um, people have theorized for years about the the, the, the winters, um, about the isolation, mm. about how far away it is. Um, may, maybe it's both. I don't know. I've 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 never seen that personally in anything. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, at that time and place, these these people came out of this. Um, but it's it's strange. You have to admit how many connections Randy had to all of the these things and these people. It was it was odd that everyone who sort of had success at least. Had some connection to him, or yeah. or some. Uh, it it was. You can't summarize anything, but it it was too much of a coincidence. Mm. And even looking back at it now, it, it was too much of a coincidence. Yeah, um, the first, or one of the first guests, in the movie, or friends of of Randy is is Neil Young, mm. um, and those who listen to this podcast know. Or who, who maybe don't listen, but know me, know I'm a massive Neil Young fan. Um, and Neil Young calls him his, his biggest influence. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of tape as, as you were talking with with Neil. Um, 
I'm, I'm curious whether he expounded on that. Like, you know, why, what was it about what Randy was doing that Neil looked up to at that time? It's hard to tell. And, you yeah. know, I, I don't think Neil is even sure. Hmm. But there are clearly influences that we have when we're young. Things that make a big impression on us that, that change the way we think about things. Um, and for Neil, he believes that one of those things was Randy. Yeah. Um, uh, Randy was a little bit older than everyone else in town at the time, maybe a, just a couple of years. Um, and I'm told, advanced beyond everyone beyond everyone's expectations and everyone's understanding. He, he he was serious and played at a level that no one else knew at the time. Mm. This is five decades ago. Um, yeah. I, I came to this as an outsider completely. Right? Yeah. Um, Randy, when, the year that Randy left Backman Turner Overdrive yeah. was 1977. That was the year I was born. Wow. So I... I come to this as a complete outsider yeah yeah i'm not sure how to (laughs) i'm not sure how to say it except that i I think maybe i have a little bit of a balanced perspective because i'm coming to it clean from every side yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) um true and and i and i'm coming to it with an unbiased perspective as well Mm -hmm. like i'm not a journalist and i'm not i'm not trying to be unbiased but i think i'm coming at it with like at least a fresh kind of don't know when i started i didn't know yeah but he must be he doesn't live in winnipeg anymore no. my understanding is no um but his, his he his presence must be felt in winnipeg is it i'm curious yes yeah to some extent it is mm-hmm. um but i at a certain point he left too yeah right? um sure, yeah in, in 1971 he, he he moved to the west coast yeah and oh, uh, that, okay wow yeah, with Brave Belt, they eventually moved to Vancouver. That's right. And they yes. become they became a Vancouver band. Yeah, um, I'm gonna stay on this Neil Young thing, and then Sorry. I'll leave him, and I won't come back to him. Right. But um, I obviously heard "Expecting to Fly" near the end of the movie, um, if not the last song there. Um, why? Like, why did you pick that song? I'm curious. No, we don't. <laughs> is that movie not in the final, in the final cut? Yeah, I, I think I think it is. I yeah? think it is. I, I just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'd rather, I'd rather we just the the one, the one thing that floored me was finding out that Randy Bachman had a twin. Yeah, yeah, that that floored me too. That I mean, that is as soon as. I'm watching the movie and that comes out. I like stopped. I go, wait a second. Like what? Like there's there's almost like a what if, right? Like there's a you know there's this what if of you know I've I've got a 12 year old so he's he's learned about you know sex and how people are born and everything and he knows there's this race you know with sperm and and you and so all these things come rushing back to me as a father and I go, whoa! Like there's two of them. The one that that survives the one that makes it grows up to influence rock and roll worldwide um Uh does 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 randy i'm curious if randy talks about that at all he's never talked about it i went through the whole film with him never mentioning it and it was it's i i believe it's in john anderson's book so i i knew it 
Um, but it wasn't until near the end of production where I interviewed his daughter, Lorelai, mm-hmm. and it was one of the first things she said to me. Uh, did you know that he has a twin? Uh, had a twin. Yeah. That 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 he was the only one who survived birth. The other twin didn't survive. Yeah. That there were that 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 there there was for a, a, a brief second or in time um, there was another another of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just wild. I know. <laughs> How. And it's interesting that he doesn't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's 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 over it or something. Like, I have no clue. I've got this introspective mind sometimes that, like, I wonder what you th- what you would think. What goes through your mind? You know, that's 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 wild stuff. Yeah. Well, um, I can tell you that he lives very much in the here and now. Yeah. That that he looks forward. You could tell generally. that listening to his radio show every mm-hmm. week. Like he's looking forward to the next concert that either he's going to be playing at. Or that he's gonna go to. Yeah. Um, it's 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 phenomenal. Um, how how easy was it, or what was the process like, getting all of these guests to talk to? You know, Neil Young, Neil Peart, Paul Schaefer. Uh, some some took a while. Yeah. Some were really quick. Um, yeah. Neil Young took took months just because of what, <laughs> what what surrounds him, like sure. which is a, 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 there's a certain amount of people around him that okay. that, that, that require you. Have. But others were really straightforward. Yeah. Um, well, who could I who could I talk about? Paul Schaefer uh, was was very was very simple. It was a, a discussion with his management. We, yeah. went, we went to New York City. Uh, we sent a car. He agreed to do it. He he got in the car and he arrived. Um, Alex Lifeson. Yeah. From Rush. Yes. I said Neil Peart. I'm sorry. No, no, it's Alex Lifeson. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was Alex Lifeson. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I I caught him coming off stage at a rehearsal. Oh wow. <laughs> and I said I introduced myself, told yeah. him who I was. Yeah. Um, could we talk on camera? Yeah. He said, yeah, sure, let's do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, um, to my questions. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I knew because I'd been making the film for a few months at this point. I just did it from my head. And uh, he, uh, luckily, he was mm-hmm. a prince. Uh, he just said, yeah. He seems to be, eh? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. So, so Alex, uh, <laughs> not only that, um, yes, I'll come into the, the basement of Massey Hall with a total stranger and a camera. Yeah. Sit down. And answer your questions. Wow. Who does that? Yeah. Um, so he, but he did. Um, so I, I, that was pretty remarkable. You had Chris Jericho. That's an interesting choice for a guest. <laughs> well, I mean, he, if, if you're not a Chris Jericho fan, you do, you think he's just a wrestler. <laughs> he's, yeah, but he's, he's, he's a, a Fozzie, right? He's a, he's a musician. Yeah. 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 He's a musician. And he's from Winnipeg. Okay. Okay. That's the you connection. Yeah. So there's a, there's a few, there's a few <laughs> connections and, uh, and Chris was interesting too. I mean, he happened to be in town for something, and uh, it was an opportunity, so we got him. Yeah. Um, what else did I want to ask you? I'm curious. I'm curious whether you guys spoke about music, uh, and, and here's where I'm getting at. I mean, today producers are big names. You know, so and so, Justin Bieber hooks up with a producer, and you can tell the producer sound. Oh right. Um, when you look back at the catalog especially the classic hits um, that Randy has like that's that's his mark he's, he he didn't just come up with the lyrics but he created 
that song, right? The sound. Um, I'm curious whether you guys spoke about music today and music in the past. To an extent, yes. Yeah. I mean, he learned how to do all that stuff because he had to. If you ask him, he'll tell you about it. Yeah. Um, at a certain point, he felt like he was alone, um, that he had left the Guess Who in 1970. Um, and that he had to do everything himself. So he he had learned recording these records, how to do it, and he started recording. He learned everything on his own, and he applied that to everything he did from 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 that point onward. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, I think he he's totally in touch with everything that's happening now. I think he listens to music now. Yeah, and I think he. He he's completely aware of everything mm-hmm. that's happening now, uh, what the sounds are now, and I don't think he's at all lost touch with what he's interested in uh, and, and the music that, that that he's attracted to. I I I think he's aware of all that. He think he makes it his business to do all mm-hmm. that stuff. How is it like going to that warehouse where all the guitars? Sure. The warehouse with the guitar. Guita- I don't really oh, even know if it's oh, a warehouse. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, there was like yeah. literally hundreds and hundreds yeah, that, of guitars. Yeah, right. So there's a scene in the film yeah. where um, we go to a, a, a secret location where Randy's all of Randy's guitars are, yeah. are, are stored. And it's it's uh, well, that was a big moment for me because um, I started playing the guitar for this movie i learned sort of oh wow i started learning how to play okay. the guitar. so uh, i i was sort of at the pinnacle of of, of guitar adolescent adolescence yeah, yeah i guess you could say when yeah. we started this, this this movie and uh and all he has is shelves of cases mm-hmm. unmarked and it's a, a process to find what's inside there's sort of a system that they have there and uh, it it, invo- it does involve a lot of opening of cases to figure out where things are, what they're oh, wow. marked, what they're marked as, and yeah. what the thing is. And it's not at all. There must have been a lot of editing because it seemed every case he opened, the right one was there. Except <laughs> I think there was one scene where, I go, oh no, wrong one. Yeah, right. That's true. <laughs> that, that's true. That, um, for, for instance, things you wouldn't expect is he went through a period of infatuation with clown guitars. Clown guitars. Yeah, um, there was a, a period in in, in, in Germany um, where where um, the, you know there the would be these handcrafted um, elaborate guitars, and he collected as many of them. This is fairly recently. He collected as many of them as he could, mm-hmm. and they're in the movie. You can you can see these yeah. elaborate handcrafted acoustic guitars from the forties. Um, but to talk about his infatuation with guitars is almost impossible it, it would be like another another show that we'd have to yeah do um another and, movie <laughs> yeah yeah and, you, and you'd have to do it with him because I, sure. I don't i don't know enough about it but for me the big moment was when he pulled out this one case which mm-hmm. is uh, this beige uh, stratocaster that he played all the way through bto and it was sort of like his hero guitar yeah throughout the the backman turner overdrive um, um, days, and um, he he picks it up and he pulls it out of the case, and he he told us all about it. It's all in the movie. Mm-hmm. See him, 
And that was remarkable to me because after I saw that, I, I started going back through all the images and footage that I'd seen and I started seeing that one guitar and, and everything. And, uh, you know, for this guy who's known to be an incredible guitar collector, for this guy who's known to be sort of a, a guitar, beyond a guitar aficionado, sure, this one particular work, workhorse beast yeah. that he had to see him pulled out of the, the case and, 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 and the look on his face every time he sees it is <laughs> pretty incredible. Um, and also in the film is his um, his I guess I guess you could say it's sort of the jewel of the guitar mm -hmm. uh, crown, which is a 1959 Gibson Les Paul that that is in the National Museum in Calgary, the National Music. Oh, is that Center. the one where they take out and they bring to him? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the guitar that he wrote American Woman on, mm. and um, uh, he stopped playing it because it was too heavy. Yeah, um, and it's uh, incredibly valuable, and uh, um, it's a. I, I think you could say it's probably the most remarkable guitar in Canadian music history. Sure, sure. Um, and it's it's on display at the National Music Center in Calgary, and they pulled it out and they played it on the record that he just finished making. This mm. record by George, which yeah. is all George Harrison songs. Yeah. Um, what's the record that gets blurred out? Not the record, sorry. What's the guitar that gets blurred out? Well, I can't talk about that because he'd go good, he'd go to jail if it, if it was exposed. Okay, one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's not. It's not really. It's not. It's it's not really a, a situation like that at all. But it, it was a good. It was a guitar that was uh, um, uh, uh, too controversial to show. Fair enough. Because of its rarity. Oh, rarity. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. I'll I'll take that. Mm -hmm. Um. I have questions here about you know breaking up with the Gasu or, or or BTO, but you know these are more questions for yeah, for when, when I meet with Randy, Good idea. which you know you'll hook me up and I'll I'll of give course. you I'll give you Alan <laughs> Frew and you give me Randy back. Let's, Great, let's, let's do that. Um, but what you know you you come to the movie or you come to the project, um, a fan or not a fan or just indifferent to it all? Having no idea. No idea. Yeah, having no idea. What do you what do you leave with? I know you're a movie maker. Oh, you're yeah. telling a story, but do you? I'm, I'm curious if you leave with anything more for you. Yeah, when when you do this, there has to be something in it for you. Yeah, that's the reason why you do it. Um, everything, every choice you make is a choice for yourself, mm -hmm. right? So that because you can't guess what the audience is or what they want or what they. Yeah. I mean, you can, but it's not really. It, it's 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 a pointless exercise mm -hmm. because you'll often be wrong and the best choice to make is to please yourself first sure so that's the way i approach it and i hope other people get it but that for, for me that does mean becoming at least enthusiastic about what's happening and mm -hmm. at least appreciating what's happening and um so so it means getting involved. It means listening to all the, the music, mm -hmm. hearing all the stuff, um, and discovering as much of it as I, as I can. And, and, and for me, there are a few things in his repertoire that stand out above everything else. Um, in particular, that, that early band Brave Belt that became BTO, mm -hmm. that's, a big, that's a big one for me. 
I, I, I like that stuff yeah. a lot. Um, somebody in the movie, in fact, Chad Allen in the movie says that music was 20 years ahead of its time or 20 years behind because huh. <laughs> it was like country rock. Yes. And, and, and it, that rustic kind of thing that now everybody gets. Yeah. But maybe back then it didn't quite click. And it would be a few years till the Eagles really did that. Yeah, you're right. You're till right. Till they really made that tech off. So that that's a that's a big one for me. Um when I started the movie, I actually thought that all of the stuff he made that didn't succeed was really the way to tell his story. Um, because he oh. did, he, because he did all he, he like musically you're talking yeah, yeah. about like okay. Brave Belt. Um, yeah. He did a record called Survivor in 1978, which is a solo record, which is brilliant, I think. Um, but um, not a lot of people remember it. I, and for, for for me, I thought maybe that was the way in, but there was no escaping the fact that the story was was the greatest if you looked at at the big picture of course yeah Yeah. i i this this uh, you sort of reminded me of something as successful in the music business let's call it or Mm -hmm. the music scene industry as randy backman is and and i believe you know he's in in my opinion i'm not a huge music historian uh by any stretch of the imagination i'm a fan but you know when, when you look at all this his hits um you you can line it up with some of the greatest songwriters in rock and roll history in the classic rock yeah. uh, genre. Um, but then I, you also, if we take a look at, at, at the larger picture, and I, I, I tend to see these constants in a lot of um, his, his peers uh, at the time where you've got this huge success. And I know he wasn't, yeah, he didn't live the quote-unquote rock and roll lifestyle. But there's, there's, I, th- I think he says it, or someone in, in the movie talks about these choices, that you make, mm-hmm. um, and he's he's made choices that, fortunately, unfortunately, you know, however it depends, you know, where you look at it from, where, he's had some struggles, yes, you yeah. know, for family struggles, um, and I see that with with other very ultra successful, musicians, uh, who are beloved and idolized. Um, I'm curious about that part of the story mm. and what Randy thinks about it, what you got from that. Yeah, well, I, I think the word is a, a sacrifice mm. that you have to make at, at, at some point. Yeah. Um, because you're, you have obligations, right? Mm-hmm. And when you start doing this, I, I think, I've never been a rock star, but I, I, I think you say, boy, I, I hope someday... I have those problems where I, ah. where you know, where where I have to go on the road for months to support um, this this thing, and that people are hungry for what mm. well, is true of anything. You know that when you're creating something, I hope that people are so hungry for this thing that I, I have to work tirelessly to support it, and that's the problem, right? Hmm. Um, but. In the framework of 1971, or you know, you couldn't, you couldn't Skype your kids. No, back then, There's none of that mm. stuff is there. Yeah, um, uh, the it was a different world, right? 
Um, when, when you walked out that door, you maybe would go away for a few months at a time mm -hmm. and then come home. And uh, like, I, I know that Randy missed the birth of some of his children. Yeah. I know, I know that I, I'm certain he missed a lot of birthdays. I've missed a lot of my kids' birthdays. Sure. That sucks. Yeah. But I've Skyped them on their birthdays. Yeah. You've That's had that opportunity. Different. Yeah. <laughs> That's no. totally different when you're a parent. Yeah. Um, I can see the way to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's unfathomable mm. to, to do that stuff. So um, I, I, I'm not sure what, what, the, what the overall perspective is that, that I've gained from it. But I think that a lot of people made sacrifices. I think, I, I, including him. Um, but it was, it, I believe it came from an honest place. Mm -hmm. I believe that the sacrifices he made were for something that he had to do for himself. Yeah. You know, I'm, I made this movie a couple of years ago uh, about about a, a mother who um, gets dumped by her son, and 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 uh, <laughs> and uh, she, she she she's not happy at home, and 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 she sort of runs off a lot to 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 to. to get drunk a lot and have sex with lots of boys because she's not happy in her life. And on one of these adventures, her son calls her, who's seven, he calls her and he, he fires her. You're not my mom anymore, don't, don't come back here anymore. And she, for whatever reason, she chooses to obey him. Hmm. Um, and so, I, I, the, I, when I did that, my, my goal was that there's things in life that you have to do no matter what there are th things you have to see and experience and you can't be a full parent or, or do anything like that anything big you can't make an album you can't make a feature film you can't raise a child if you're not really a whole person yourself mm -hmm. and I believe that's true for creative people I believe that I, I, maybe it's just me reflecting myself onto what I've learned from Randy, but I, th I think you can't do those other things until you've completed things that you have to do personally. Yeah. And for him, there's just been so many of them. So I believe that his stuff has come from an honest place. I think it's, it's hurt him in the past. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of get it. Yeah, but the movie it, it's the movie ends on a high. Here, right? you know, I mean, for for me, you know, watching it, he's he's playing with um, some of his old bandmates from BTO, um, and they're playing a big stadium show, um, or arena show. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the the ending is is really the last twenty years for Randy, which mm. which has been since his radio show has come along. Um, is you know his life has changed. He's gotten older. He's had personal experiences, and I and I think that that everything has changed. His whole perspective of you know work hard and do all of this stuff, and it's going to be done my way, has mellowed, as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's all I think his whole perspective on on all of these things has changed, and 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 that's. For, for me, that's the reason for the movie to exist now. Awesome. It's a great movie. I really enjoyed watching it this weekend. Thank you. Uh, John, thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you. Awesome, man. How was that? Good? 
<laughs> what's what's the story with with uh, let me turn this off I just I hear Randy when I see him I hear him and I feel him think of all the hits that Randy Bachman has written I would watch him play and I'm like I want to I want to do that he would literally take apart notes and put other notes in that would never belong in rock and roll. He was an unusual guy at an unusual time in an unusual place. When you find something that early in life that becomes a very early passion, you lose your inhibition. His strength is his weakness, and whoever was in his way better move because he was going. I remember Randy coming in and he's saying, it's happening. And you start, you start thinking it's going to go on forever. And it isn't going to go on forever. A professional musician who's been professional for a long time, it's rare. Often it's said the, the worst in your life brings out the best in your guitar playing. But I think you can also be very, very happy and very content and still play interesting, great, amazing things. The world changes. Your music kind of changes. But for some of us, it just keeps on getting better. But there's this little light glimmering, and somehow that balances the 20 hours of crap you go through. You're in your dreamland. Would you let it ride? Yeah! Would you let it ride?